Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Coach Taku listeners, thank you. We are humbled by your willingness to listen to this episode. Who are we? Well, of course, your lovely host, Christina, joined by my better half, Mary. And uh, gotta catch them all, my dudes. That's right. This is a Pokemon episode. To clarify, we are deliberately talking about Pokemon, the video game franchise. Um, Though Pokemon is a beloved anime. And I'm a huge fan of at least the first five movies. So if you're bummed that we're not going into the TV series or the movie series, uh, feel free to scold us. Um, But maybe you don't know how to scold us because maybe somehow in the 25 years that it's been around, you have no idea what Pokemon is. So at least from a video game front, I'll make it quite simple. You're a young kid who lives in a world filled with creatures called pocket monsters, aka Pokemon. Uh, they're kind of like advanced elemental animals and the purpose they serve on the planet and a lot of the games is, you know, they're very much a part of nature, but if you have a handy dandy Pokeball and you find the right way to throw the ball at the Pokemon, you can capture these Pokemon and have them become your lifelong friends and also your battle partners. And so most of these games are about trying to collect them all, trying to fill up this Uh, encyclopedia essentially called the Pokedex and battling gym leaders and adversaries and fellow Pokemon trainers along the way. Um, The other thing I should mention about this is if you are listening to this episode and they still have Pokemon cards at McDonald's in their kids meals or in certain, uh, I think it's General Mills cereals, go and get them. They're adorable. I have my hollow Pikachu. I could not be happier. I vouch for the 25 year anniversary Pokemon card collectibles. Anything you'd add about the series, Mary? Only that the song is like one of my go-to karaoke songs, but other than that, no, we're, we're good. But I'm sure we're all curious about what the coaching conversation around Pokemon is. And of course it has to be around team building. Specifically, like how we value our Pokemon teams, like what are our strategies and what that says about how we view teamwork, which I think is a really interesting conversation as we explore the game from a different perspective. So, Christina, where do we start with all of this? Ooh, well, let's start in game for a second, because So again, going through the realm of Pokemon, the way it works, and I don't know who made up these laws. I don't know if it's about the amount of slots you have available on a belt or in your backpack, but typically the way it works is you can have up to six Pokemon on you at once. And these six Pokemon are referred to as your party. You're more than welcome to have less than six, but you have to have at least one, no more than six. And so we really want to have this conversation around team building through the lens of the different strategies that characters in the game and that we as players have 
to building out our parties and what it might reveal about ourselves and what are the pros to these strategies and what might be some of the consequences to these strategies as well. And so when we were prepping for this episode, I thought that in all, we, we got to start with the gym leaders. So as I mentioned, one of the primary adversaries in the game is you show up to these gyms. There's these people that are like, yo, I'm the master of this kind of element. Come fight me. And then you fight them. And I think what works really well about gym leaders is what they tend to have in common is their party is nearly always one type of Pokemon. They're all rock type. They're all water type. They're all grass type. They're all dragon type. You name it, they've got a collection. And I think the positives of what this particular party strategy reveals about a Pokemon trainer is that it it demonstrates that they have a commitment to passion for this particular type of Pokemon. Like something that I love both in the games and also in the TV series is that these gym leaders don't just like have six water type Pokemon. They like live in an aquarium and they host water shows. And the way you even get to the gym leader is by solving puzzles with inner tubes and all these different things. So their Pokemon party is a reflection of how much they love this particular element or this particular type. And so that part of integrity is really reflected in the party that they choose. However, the very apparent consequence to this uh, that most players learn sooner rather than later is because the entire party is one element type. As long as you show up with the rock beats scissors type, water beating fire, fire being grass, rock being beating electricity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you can wipe essentially the entire party out. Yes, I think that's a, a really cool perspective. And then when we relate this to actually in the real world and how we choose our team members, and even if we're looking at it for ourselves, like how we choose, there's nothing wrong with the way that these gym leaders choose their team. Obviously, they have a passion. They're experts on this type of Pokemon, just like you can be an expert in your field with your team. But I think what it shows is that there's strength in diversity. There's strength in having different conversations, different strengths and abilities on a team that can offset that kind of ca- catastrophic event where you're all wiped out because this one other Pokemon can beat all of you <laughs> in one go. Yeah. And I will say there are certain gym leaders throughout the franchise that part of how they compensate for this is they still have their ace in the hole. Like, I think one of the first gym leaders I ever really truly struggled with was in Pokemon Silver and Gold, where you fight Whitney, who has all normal type Pokemon which sounds like no big deal until you get to her freaking mill tank that knows this move called rollout and just crushes your ass every single time. And let me tell you, as a 12 year old, I was none too happy about that. Um, But, you know, so that's gym leaders in a nutshell. And I, I do think as a kid, like if it were up to me, I would have collected all water type Pokemon. Like I love the ocean. I love the beach. I love the idea of having this lifestyle where I would be around the creatures of the sea. Um, but looking more at common player strategies, you know, on the flip side, Mary, you mentioned this, like some people will go the route of creating a super balanced team. And you want to talk about what that ends up looking like? 
Uh, so usually as a player, you start off with one starter Pokemon and you can choose your type from the beginning. Um, I have to tell you, Christina, I usually choose the cutest one. I look at the evolution. I'm like, which one is going to be the most attractive looking Pokemon? Um, however, I found that I am most, uh, I have an affinity for the fire types. So it's usually the route I go. Then from there, you actually are able to build your own team. So you go out into the world and you start catching Pokemon. The uh, so <laughs> You actually start catching Pokemon. And what we find is like uh, that you can catch all these different types. And there are some types that you can't actually catch at the beginning of the game. You have to wait until you're a little bit stronger and can reach certain towns before you're able to catch some of the types. But the advantage is that as you create a diverse team, you'll have one type of Pokemon that can stand their ground against one that you're trying to catch or one that you're trying to battle. And that's the that's the advantage in having a balanced team. However, there are some people who go the opposite route and they like certain, they have an affinity for certain types. And while they may have a diverse team, they may have two or three that are the same. And Christina, have you encountered that as you're playing or know any players? I mean, I think I kind of fall into the trap of being one of those players uh, just because I... What may not surprise you, Mary, is I have a type and that type is collecting Pokemon that look like badass women. I know, huge shocker. The women's leadership coach over here. When is this ever not going to be a thing that comes up in one of these episodes? <laughs> but I collect the magical girls of Pokemon. And what I found in later games when they introduced fairy type is that as a result, uh, I'd get my ass handed to me whenever I fought dark type Pokemons because I would inevitably have water fairies and fire fairies and grass fairies. <laughs> um, and I myself am a fairy, but uh, pansexual pride. But, um, you know, the, the thing about whether you go truly balanced or mostly balanced is to your point, Mary, it's great to have the diversity because it reflects making sure that everyone gets to shine. But in game, one of the consequences of that is it can feel very laborious having the time and patience to level up all of your Pokemon equally, you know, requires a lot of grinding, a lot of fighting wild Pokemon, going to every single Pokemon trainer and then hoping they want, hoping they want to fight you again to get experience. You could cheat. I'm sorry. It's not cheating. It's a strategy. You could use experience share to try and even out the playing field and how this translates to the real world. You know, if you're, building a team or you're playing on a team, <laughs> you know, the rare candy hacks. Um, but how this can translate to the real world as well is while people may not have water types or fire types, or, you know, if you believe in astrology, they totally do. Um, what it could also look like is if everyone shows up with different ideas and different strengths, sometimes it can be difficult to get you unified on the best way to tackle a project or the best way to move forward because everyone kind of has their own idea of the best way to move things forward. And I think that that adversity is what lends itself to an additional way to build a Pokemon team, which was personally my younger brother's favorite way to do it. I was actually just talking about this this weekend in 
Pokemon Ruby, my brother started with a Torchic. And by the end of the game, ended up with like a level 87 Blaziken. And that was it. <laughs> so as reference, I'm talking about people who, you know, kind of just stick to putting all of their power into their starter. And um, while the idea of that is like, yeah, you have one super strong Pokemon who's just the best at everything you are also screwed if that Pokemon faints and you don't have a backup plan. That's so true. I mean, that does take more. It definitely does. I, usually that's my strategy. It's like I like to have a balanced, balanced team. Although I have to tell you that my least favorite are probably the Earth Pokemon. I'm not so keen on those, but I love my ghosts. I love my psychics. I love my fairies. And I personally have, I love to have Snorlax on my team because he's probably my favorite Pokemon. He's a big cat who likes to sleep. I mean, how can you not like him? So usually I have Snorlax. The other one that I usually have is also Magikarp that I end up carrying on my team doing nothing until he evolves eventually. But, you know, it's it does take time. It, it does take patience. And it kind of reminds me of the conversation that we had around Bernadetta in Fire Emblem, <laughs> where you're just spending a lot of time uh, growing, strengthening your Pokemon, evolving them till they get to a certain level where they're a really strong team. And for me, that works well because I like to play to explore and not necessarily to win. There's no sense of urgency. It's just a chill, relaxed thing. However, there are other other people who just want to get through the game quickly. And this strategy, this kind of team may not necessarily work in that dynamic. Yeah, and I think if you bring the like one super strong Pokemon in your party to the real world example, on the one hand, like I think we've all worked in places or done group projects where you have this person on the team. They're the one that's going to do all the work. They're the rock star. They're always producing results. They are the best at sales, What whatever it looks like in whatever game you're playing. Um And that's what's amazing about them. And kind of on the flip side is just like you'd be screwed if your Blaziken fainted and you didn't have any backup plan. You know, if this person is burnt out or if this person goes on vacation for a week, you know, you put all your energy into fawning over them that you haven't adequately trained the rest of your team or you haven't adequately built the relationships to partner with people that they also know what makes them great and what they're good at and how they can thrive regardless of whether this superstar is here or not. Um, But Mary, you mentioned that, you know, for you, you tend to prefer to play games for the experience and the exploration. What do you think of the type of people who really play the game just to go on shiny hunts? Like their Pokemon party is mostly about collecting their favorite shinies. At first I was like, what is that? What? What is she talking about? <laughs> what are shiny Pokemon? Um, I think that, I think especially when you're playing games, Christina, everyone, I personally, it's not what I do in the game. I focus on strengthening my team, finding the ones that I like, exploring the different types. However, for those who find joy in finding shiny Pokemon, I mean, how can you, how can you say, how can you say anything about that? 
who doesn't want to find shiny Pokemon and create a team out of that? And I think it's to each his own. And that's the beauty of video games that like in life, we all choose what the journey is and what it looks like. And there's no one set path that's better or worse. Yeah. And and speaking to this idea of there not being one set path, one of my favorite ways to play Pokemon, and it, it really helped add some spice to the series, especially after, you know, four or five games of once more, collect all the badges, beat the elite four, beat your rival, you know, the rinse and repeat of it all is um, someone created this concept called Nuzlocke, which is essentially going through Pokemon with a specific set of rules, which includes you can only catch the first Pokemon you run into in each area. If a Pokemon faints, you relate to it as dead and you can't use it anymore. Like there's no going to the Pokemon Center and reviving it. There's no using your items to revive it. It's just gone. And in a lot of ways, the game is designed to be harder and to make you very sad. But I think why people have a lot of fun with it is it's a reliance on randomness. Some Nuzlocke games, you just get luckier than others. And I think that even taking on team building from this place lends itself to a real world conversation because honestly, like here we are talking about picking the best players and making sure everyone's well represented, but most places, most of the time, you don't actually get to choose what team you're playing on. You know, you get hired, you get picked for the dodgeball team, you build a business, whatever it is, and who you work with is who you work with. And so Building out the game in a Nuzlocke style is great practice for how do you adapt when perhaps the players around you aren't ideal or you couldn't originally see what would make them worthwhile because you really wanted that Charizard over that Pidgey or whatever the case may be. I think it's cool, Christina, because it also makes you think about what strikes does your existing team have? How can you leverage these strengths? Where are the weaknesses? Where are the opportunities? So if you're playing from a strategic standpoint, you're actually thinking about all these things as you're going into battle, as you're moving forward through the game. And it's very similar when you're working with the team because you're looking at the people there and you're like, where, what are the strengths of each individual? What, where are the gaps? Where can people step in and where can others kind of, you know, you can kind of see that from a leadership perspective, which I think is really cool. And one of the other ways that we haven't really talked about team, Christina, and I think this is the reason that I got into the Pokemon games was because I was living in New York at the time and my brother, my siblings were actually in Pennsylvania. And one of the reasons that I started playing was because we could battle against each other (laughs) and we could do raid battles together. (laughs) And so talk about teamwork, you can actually play with other players in the game and then you bring the, the strength of your own team and the strength of their team and also the gaps. So where I may have a stronger fire type, my brother may have a stronger water type, you know? And so we can play off of those those strengths and weaknesses as we either battle each other or go after raids to catch other Pokemon. But to be clear, you did specify earlier in this episode that most likely you would be the one with the stronger fire type since they're your ride or die. So then Mary, is it safe to assume that you started with Charmander in the original Pokemon run? 
I did. And I, I've been playing with the fire types ever since. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, in, you know, like uh, Pokemon, I don't know if you've played Pokemon, of course you have Pokemon Shield and Sword, but I love the bunny. I mean, he's like a soccer playing bunny. How can you not like him? He's just amazing. I, I had to, I had to choose him. Mary, bless your heart. <laughs> uh, I was a Squirtle girl myself. Um, and similarly, canonically, I have almost always chosen water Pokemon, especially given the fact that Poplio literally becomes a mermaid at the end of that evolutionary track. I think Snivy is my one non-water choice in the entire franchise, besides playing a uh, yellow version where, of course, it was Pikachu. Um, so as we start to wrap up this particular Pokemon special, uh, you, you hinted earlier that perhaps your favorite Pokemon of all time is Snorlax, but what are some others? Like if you could just live in the real world today and you could base it off of strategy, you could just base it off of having your favorite Pokemon dream team. What's some of the lineup that we would see? It's Psyduck. I'll tell you why, because he's psychic and he gets migraines, both of which I can relate to. So I need to have Psyduck on my team. Not the strongest Pokemon, but I, I love him. Uh, I already talked about Magikarp and his evolution. Love. I just think it's, I'm a I'm a sucker for the underdog. And also the dragon types. And of course, Eevees. I love the Eevees and their evolution. And I think it also reflects about when I was watching the cartoons and when I was, because all these Pokemon are are probably the older OG ones. What about you, Christina? What are your, some of your favorites? Ooh, um, I think from the original generation, uh, my three favorites, and I know this very clearly, were Ninetales, Rabidash, and Dugong. I also loved Dragonair. I was so upset when this beautiful, majestic, serpentine dragon became this derpy, giant, orange... <laughs> Dragonite. Um, but for me, all my friends know this, my all-time favorite Pokemon, and I can't tell you why. It was introduced in uh, the Ruby Sapphire generation, but I love Ralts. Ralts is this cute little unassuming psychic type that almost looks like it has helmet hair that covers its eyes. And it inevitably, if you have a female evolves into this beautiful majestic witchy psychic woman looking creature that's a psychic fairy called Gardevoir and she's my absolute favorite Pokemon of all time and then surprise to none one of my other favorites who is in some of the newer generations of games is I love Salazzle so for those of you who don't know Salazzle is the evolutionary uh, next level from Salandit. Salandit is this very cute fire and poison type, like salamander, which in itself is such a unique combo, uh, which is one reason that I like it. But again, if you have a female Salandit, female Salandits can evolve into Salazzles. And I just love saying, give me the old Salazzle Razzle Dazzle, because <laughs> it's just this flamboyant lizard creature that can either poison you or burn you. And I, I just find it very endearing and, and uh, slightly seductive and very mischievous. So those would be some in my lineup. Um, but I, I wouldn't have, no, I wouldn't have, <laughs> I would not have Gazzalazzle for you. <laughs> it's true. I, I love Salazzle. It's just, it makes me laugh every single time, especially in, 
uh, I think Salazzle was introduced in Sun and Moon. And the the adventure that it's introduced in, it, it photobombs you while you're taking photos. And it's just such a derpy, mischievous, sneaky Pokemon. I find it so funny. Like, I would just love for this creature to be one of my best friends. <laughs> but I digress. If you want to hear us uh, fangirl more over some of our favorite Pokemon and you know, what our ideal dream team would be, make sure that you check out when we go Coach Taku live on Instagram. Uh, as a reminder, we always go live Friday evenings after we drop episodes, usually at around 6 p.m. Eastern. You're more than welcome to pop us questions that you want us to answer. Join us in the live and chat with us or watch the replay if you can't make it. Um, and yeah, anything else you want to add, Mary, as we start to wrap things up here? Yeah, I mean, Pokemon is huge. And if there's something we didn't cover, something you want us to talk about, just let us know. We'd love to delve back in, whether it's the video games, the movies, or the series itself. And yeah, thank you for the support. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, and also feel free to let us know. Nintendo Direct released a couple of exciting updates this year. This was before uh, Nintendo Direct per se, but I know Pokemon Snap's coming out in about another month or so. We've got a DLC for Pokemon Sword and Shield. I know they're doing remakes of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And really the announcement I'm probably the most excited for, Pokemon Legends Arceus. We've got an open world Pokemon adventure. You know, it's the new age. This is how we enter the next quarter of a century with this saga. Wait. And so, you know, if you want to chat about that and which games you're most excited for, feel free to join us on Instagram and let us know. Um, But otherwise, thank you so much as always for listening, for tuning in, for commenting, for subscribing, for doing all the things that let us know that you love our show and you care about what we're talking about just as much as we do. And we will catch you in the next one. Take care, everyone. For subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Takupod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at Roar on Instagram. And you can follow Mary at Mary, M-E-R-Y, dot the nerdy coach. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.